Good morning, Fullerton. Here are your headlines for the third week of May 2022. Number one, Fulton split between districts 45 and 46 congressional races. As a result of redistricting, Fulton residents are currently divided between two congressional districts. North Fulton is District 45 and South Fulton is District 46. For the June 7 primary, the top two vote-getters for each congressional race will advance to the general election in November. The main candidates in District 45 are Republican Michelle Steele, Democrat Jay Chen, and Republican Long Pham. Candidates for District 46 include Democrat Lou Correa, Republican Christopher Gonzalez, Republican Mike Nguyen, Democrat Mike Ortega, Republican Felix Roca, and Independent Ed Rushman. To read our full coverage of these races, visit www.folsomobserver.com. Number 2. OC Residents Rally for Reproductive Rights Local civil rights organizations, including OC Justice Initiative, Community Organizing Revolutionary Equality Movement, and Yalla Indivisible, Yalla meaning Arabic for Let's Go, organized a rally to defend reproductive rights that took place on Saturday, May 7th at the entrance to Garden Walk in Anaheim. After speeches and chants, about 50 attendees marched to the entrance of Disneyland, where they blocked traffic for about 10 minutes, held signs and chanted, abortion rights are human rights. Rallies and protests across the country are being organized to defend abortion rights. Planned Parenthood of Orange and San Bernardino counties held another large rally on May 14 in Santa Ana at Centennial Regional Park. Number 3. Incumbents get lion's share of campaign funding in state elections. Money is arguably the most important aspect of any political campaign, and among those seeking to represent the residents of Fullerton, this is no exception. According to campaign finance data from the California Secretary of State's office, for Fullerton State's Assembly and State Senate races, incumbents are getting the vast majority of campaign funding priming them for a significant advantage over their challengers in the upcoming primary elections on June 7. To read more about campaign finance in local races, visit www.fultonobserver.com. Number 4. California is experiencing a historic drought. Here's what you can do. The Board of the Metropolitan Water District declared on April 26 that water agencies dependent on the state water project restrict outdoor watering to one day per week. While the City of Fulton imports water from Metropolitan Water District, the supply we receive comes from the Colorado River Aqueduct. This means that Fulton residents will not be required to limit watering to one day per week. While this restriction will not directly affect Fullerton, California has experienced a historic drought, and we all need to work together to conserve water. Please consider reducing your watering cycle by two minutes or by watering only three three days per week in the next few months. Together, we can make it through the drought. Number 5. OC Department of Education race to be decided on June 7. In addition to determining primary candidates, on June 7, voters will cast ballots for local nonpartisan offices decided by a majority vote. Fulton, Buena Park, Placentia, and La Habra voters will be voting for the next o Orange County Department of Education superintendent and a short-term election for Area 4 OCDE board member due to the ongoing legal issues concerning the current office holder, Tim Shaw. Shaw is being challenged by Paulette Shafi and David Choi. Two other races to be decided on June 7 are Orange County Supervisor and District Attorney. That is it for this week's headlines. Next, Adrian Mesa interviews Zut Velasco, president of the Rotary Club of Fullerton. So welcome everybody to the Observing Fullerton podcast. We are greeted, we are praised, we are, um, what, what would be a great way for... Uh, Anointed? We, <laughs> we are here with uh, Zoot over here, Zoot Velasco? Velasco, right? Velasco. Velasco, okay. I, w I sometimes always pronounce it with a... With a accent but Velasco Velasco <laughs> so first off tell me a little bit about yourself um, 
Wow, that's hard to do quickly. Um, <laughs> you got so, five minutes. <laughs> so, uh, I was I was born with a disability. I was burned uh, ten days after I was born and grew up in a hospital. I had many surgeries, lost all the muscles in my right foot from the knee down, but went on to a twelve-year career as a professional break dancer and actor. I worked in Hollywood, a member of Screen Actors Guild, worked in film and television. But my day job was teaching theater in juvenile halls, prisons, and community centers and housing projects. And I enjoyed that much more than the work that I was doing in Hollywood. And eventually, I realized that my day job was what I wanted to do as a career. And so I changed my whole focus and ended up running a prison art program. I did that for six years. Then I worked for the City of LA Cultural Affairs Department. I ran four art centers in the harbor area and six partner centers throughout the city. Then I worked for the city of Long Beach. I ran Homeland Cultural Center. It's up Homeland. It's one of the uh, one of the hip hop hip hopiest centers. It's uh, a <laughs> it's it's known worldwide as one of the founders of crump dancing. Um, they they do a lot of hip hop and coming from a hip hop background. I was the interim director there for a year and a half. And then I ran the Muckenthaler Cultural Center here in Fullerton for six years, uh, sorry, uh, nine years. And in my time here was all through the recession. And we grew 400% during the recession. And when Jeez. most arts organizations um, nationwide were being cut 20%. So our, our huge growth during the recession meant that people were asking me to speak about it. I ended up writing a book about it because my marketing director goes, you keep speaking, why don't you just give them a book? You can write a book, just give them a book. <laughs> so I did that. And uh, the president of Hope International here in Fullerton was in my Rotary Club. He read my book and offered me a scholarship to their MBA program, which I did. And then I was uh, offered at Cal State Long Beach to run a nonprofit program there, which moved to Cal Poly. And then I got put on the Gianneschi Center board and eventually ended up running the Gianneschi Center. And now I'm a professor of business at Cal State Fullerton. So I went from breakdancer with a bum leg to business professor in three easy jumps. <laughs> three easy jumps. Uh, let's let's just talk about how you uh, how you overcame what, what happened to you. Uh, to put it plainly, you don't look like you were severely burned, you know, and you, I've heard well, that you're extremely... look at it now. <laughs> you, uh, uh, and I've heard that you're extremely lively, you're extremely active, uh, you have a great personality. That's everything that I heard from uh, other people. I'm going to come here more often. I like this place. <laughs> so I am a firm believer that everything, 100%, you know, they talk about nature versus nurture. Yeah. It's all bullshit. 100% is mindset. It's all mindset. It's whatever you set your mind to, that's what you are. That's what you achieve. And from an early age, it's funny because I'll tell you a quick story. My wife, when my wife and I were dating, we went to visit my sister. My sister's a nun. And we were on a family trip going to visit other family. We were driving in a van for like six hours. And I'm telling my soon-to-be wife a story about how I was such a great salesman as a kid and I could sell anything. I won all the sales contests at school. I could sell light bulbs. I was so good at it. And my sister, who's the nun, interrupts and goes, you were not such a great salesman. Everybody <laughs> felt sorry for you because you had braces on your legs and you had bandages on your head and they, they would have given you anything. And I was like, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. But the truth of the matter is I'm glad I never thought of it that way because it gave me confidence and um, and that confidence carried me through life. So I think, 
I just have always had a positive mindset. I've never seen the negative. And the thing about when you grew up, I grew up poor. I grew up in, in the inner city. And uh, I was in New York when breakdancing first kicked off. And when, when you grow up poor, you don't think of yourself as poor. It's just how you are. Yeah. We, we were homeless for a while. We lived in my mother's station wagon and she called it camping. We thought we were camping, you know? So like, you don't think about these things when you're in it you because you have nothing to compare it to. So I just always had a great mindset and I've carried that through life because I, I just always think that whatever's happening is the best thing that could be happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry, you just gave me like an ex- existential crisis. <laughs> no, but that, yeah, that's a great way to great way to put it. Is that you know, with you know, without you knowing that those people were taking pity on you, you then gained a lot of confidence. That confidence then pushed you through the rest of your life. You know, yeah, like like you're a lot younger than me, and I could sit here and tell you how there was a time when Republicans, Democrats could have meaningful debate and get along and create things and do things together and find common ground. And that happened in this country and it doesn't happen anymore. We're in a polarized. And that will bring you down and think, oh, my, my. But if you never heard that and you never heard that there was a time before where things were different, then you just have the time that you're in and you make the best of it. So sometimes it's not good for us older people to tell you all the stories <laughs> about how things used to be better. This is how it used to be. And then, yeah, you're then just... <sighs> Yeah, because if you you kind of make the best of the time you're in with what you have, you know, it's a great way to put it. And there's a lot of things people can still agree on. We don't have to be polarized. We don't have to think of ourselves that way. Yeah. Well, how did how did you become uh, one of my next questions? How did you become a, a dancer to the nonprofit guru here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it all happened when I came here to Fullerton to the Muckenthaler and. I will go to my grave saying Fullerton is not like any other place in America. It's not. Um, and, you know, you, I don't know how many places you've lived, but I, I lived 13 places before I graduated high school. So I moved a lot growing up, and I moved a lot as a performer. You know, they call you gypsies for a reason. But um, Fullerton is not like any other place. And I'll tell you why, because we're a satellite city of L.A., so we have an urban feel, and yet... We are also uh, an area that is very purple. So, you know, we have very conservative people, very liberal people. We are very, I would say we have the same demographics as East L.A. Um, in terms of uh, b- uh, bodies of people. Um, so it's not like most places. And a lot of people like to focus on the negatives of those things. But I see all the positives of those things, like there's so much opportunity here to do things you can't do other places. Yeah. And the fact that we are just north of Anaheim, which has the most tourists of any place in America, uh, 49 million people come to Anaheim every year. Really? And what do we do to get them to come to Fullerton to do things? I mean, we have a great town here with amazing things. And at the Muck, my my thing was, you know, we should do more to get people to come up here from, from Anaheim. And we... The Muck was set up as a regional cultural center. The Muck being the Muckenthaler Cultural Center, which is one of the great jewels of the city. And it was set up to be a regional cultural center in 1968. And I, I, what I'm most proud of is that when I left the Muck in 2016, that we actually did everything that was on the, the, the uh, original strategic plan for the center in 1968. 
which was they wanted it to be a regional cultural center. They wanted to serve all the demographics of the community. And our demographics looked exactly like the community demographics when I left. And when I, it wasn't like that when I came in. So like I was just really proud of what we did there. I was proud to write the book. And then the book kind of took a life of its own. Not financially. I didn't make any money off the book. But it, it certainly changed what people thought of me and turned me into this... Um, business guru of nonprofits. <laughs> it's kind of weird to say that. A thought leader, they say now, which I, I, it's not my generation. But, you know, <laughs> like all of that kind of thing I've been called now. And it, it's like um, all I did really was I, I came from outside the box. I didn't grow up on nonprofit management. And I looked at a lot of the things that we believe in nonprofit management as not real, <laughs> as... Um, bullshit and so i started that podcast 501c3 bs uh, 119 on apple podcast and um, go watch it and you know started that podcast and then wrote the book now i've written a, another book about management based on a, a research study i did during the recession that showed um why organizations grow from small to large and i wrote a book about that that just came out and um so I, i've kind of fell into that role. I still miss the art sometimes and I get to do that as an MC here and there and do things, but and I'm sure the muck still, you know, appreciates your presence. You know, the the new director there, he's not new now, he's been there like five years now, but Farrell Hirsch, who is the director there now and I are in Rotary together, and I say I'm his psychologist because he can <laughs> he can uh, vent on me and I understand where he's been. Oh, but, um, yeah. We get along great and we have a great partnership in things. So yeah, it's it's this amazing community. Very yeah. And when I first moved here, I moved here like five years ago. Um, you know, I thought it was of this city is just a stepping stone because I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, but then I just decided screw all that. I just want to help the community of Fullerton. Um, and yeah, now I'm public administration, and now I'm here talking to you. There's a great documentary to be made in this town. Yep, very much. <laughs> or two. <laughs> Um, so next question is, what's, what's the Rotary Club? In, in plain, oh, you know. Glad you asked that. So um, I, I do a talk about Rotary. Um, that was something I promised to a mentor of mine in Rotary that used to do the talk. And when he retired it, he asked me to take it over, and I do it now. And it's a talk about Paul Harris and the founding of Rotary. But basically, what I say at the beginning of the talk is, I knew nothing about Rotary. When I was a kid, we would pass these signs built by Rotary Club with a cog. And I thought, what a great club for people who make cogs, you know? <laughs> I knew nothing. But then when I was starting to run cultural centers in L.A., one of my board members said, oh, you need to go to the Rotary Club and join. And I would say, well, what is the Rotary Club? And he'd say, you just have to go. And every time I would ask somebody, what is the Rotary Club? You just have to go. And I'm like, what is this, a cult? Is there going to be bloodletting? Is there secret handshakes? What is this? And I, I half expected it to be like an eyes wide shut thing, you know. But then I go and it's, you know, was I went in, in uh, L.A. and it was just really boring speaker, bad lunch. And I'm like, why would I join this club? And for 10 years, I never thought of it again until I came here. And then somebody asked me to speak at the Rotary Club. And I went in and I spoke. And afterwards, they said, oh, you would be a great member. And I ate the food. It was good food. It was Colette's, <laughs> Colette's catering. It was good food. 
And uh, they said, you, you should be a member. And I thought, well, the speakers are good. I mean, if today's any, because <laughs> I was the speaker. So, if, you know, if this is any, any, any uh, um, sign, then it's got to be great. So I, I just, like, threw off any qualms and just joined uh, because my board members kept asking me. I was like, I might as well just do it. So for me, I joined club just because it was a, a great network, honestly. It was all selfish. And then after I got into it a while, I saw all the service projects they did and how much they could leverage my want to give back to the town in a much bigger way through the club. You know, I realized that I started out as this great network, but it was really the service that got me hooked into it and how much I could I could leverage my service to the community. And um what I realized later when I found out the history of Rotary is that's exactly how Rotary started. It started just as a selfish desire for people to network and then ended up becoming a service club later. And um, when I talk about leveraging service, what I mean is that, you know, my wife and I, we decided a long time ago, we're going to give 10% of our income back to the community and we'll pick how we do that. When I give money through Rotary, that money gets added on to with other people's money in the club, with people in the district, with people in Rotary International. We do international grants. We, we, uh, the Rotary, as they say, is this close, meaning just, I think, four cases in the world last year to ending polio in the world. It's something that we're partnered with the Gates Foundation on. And um, there, once those two last areas of the world are vaccinated, polio will be gone from the earth. Jeez. The problem is that those two areas are in areas that are very anti-U.S. Mm. Uh, Muslim areas of Pakistan and Afghanistan, and they won't let people in to vaccinate. But once we can get those, and the imams, we've been going through the imams to try to change that. And once we get those two areas of the world vaccinated, polio will be gone from the earth. And it's the only second disease in the history of mankind to be eradicated. So that's one thing that we do. We also uh, have international grants that go all over the world. Our club once raised money for an ambulance for a village in India. We, there's water projects Jeez. around the world, sanitation projects, and it all gets leveraged with other people's money. And so you can do so much more. And then we gave out just two weeks ago, we gave out, um, I think it was 38000 31000 something like that. It was 30 thousand dollars in community grants. So if I wanted to give $500 to an organization, it's so much better when I can be part of Rotary and see $30,000 be given away to an organization. So those grants went out to education and community organizations all over Fullerton and only in Fullerton. So, And then there's Rotary clubs in every city that do that in every other city. So... Uh, we have three Rotary clubs here in Fullerton, a breakfast club, two lunch clubs. I am part of the main Rotary club, which is the biggest in town, but we have great Rotary clubs everywhere. And if you don't join our Rotary club, just consider joining a Rotary club because their service clubs are a great way to leverage what you do for the community and develop a great network at the same time. In 1905, mm, there are some anti-American countries that don't allow Rotary in. But there's, there's, right now, there are Rotary Clubs in Russia and the Ukraine and Rotarians in those two countries that are trying to broker a peace as we speak. So um, uh, if, if there is a ceasefire, I guarantee you that Rotary was part of it. That's how big what we do is. 
Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I'm probably going to join, uh, to be completely honest. Um, and then next question is, what does uh, being a member entail? What, what do you guys... Um... So there's different kinds of membership. So we have Interact Clubs at the high school level, Rotaract Clubs at the college level, and community level for younger people that can't afford um, to go to a full-fledged Rotary Club. But but the Rotary Clubs themselves are generally the movers and shakers of the community. They're the business owners, the heads of universities, the heads of uh, hospitals, the heads of city government. And um, it's a great network because you're, you're dealing with people who are really the movers and shakers in the city. The cost is not that expensive for the cost itself, which runs about $400 a year to belong to a Rotary Club. But then you also get charged for the meals. So because we meet over food, um, what they do generally is they charge you for an X number of meals up front. And in our club, you can buy a different meal packages. Mm. But if you're, if you're there for the long haul, you come every week like I do. Uh, generally, it's about $1,600 a year, including everything with all your meal costs. But you could also join Rotary for as little as $400 without meals, depending on what. There's also e-clubs, too, that are online only. And then I'm guessing those would be uh, cheaper? Yeah. Those are, so basically, every club will send about $200 a year to Rotary International. Um, and then the other $200 is used more locally by the club for administrative costs and then everything else is meal costs and then on top of that you can decide if you want to give to specific projects and 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 outcomes that you want to see so like i said my wife and i we give a lot of money outside of that that you know gets leveraged here in the community how what's the um, you you mentioned the college uh level of rotary club how do you know how that works yeah i do actually because i'm the for cal state fullerton i am their um advisor so the rotaract club is the college level and also community levels for younger people in the community as well like you could join a community rotaract club um the rotaract club dues are are generally very minimal and the college level they're usually 40 dollars a oh. year Really? Yeah. Um, For the people on the outside in the community, it's probably $200 a year. But they're very minimal. They get charged quarterly or, you know, and and also at Cal State Fullerton, the $40 actually is for a lifetime membership. So you you pay $40 and that's all you pay for the entire time you're at school. Um, uh, I could be quoting that wrong, but it's, it's somewhere around that. Uh, and then they they meet regularly. They do service projects in the community. A lot of our Rotary projects, they'll be kind of help help with and work for. And then they do their own service things around the community. Like I know they pack backpacks for giving children hope in Buena Park, and um, they've worked for some other uh, local nonprofits. Um, during COVID, we did the Shield project that our soon-to-be district governor Dan Alween was very instrumental in getting started with the district. Dan Alween is the um, president of Pacman Pacific Miniatures, which is a, a, a company based here in Fullerton that is an international company for um, miniature models for the airline industry, and that's uh, a really great community partner here in town. And he was shut down for COVID, and he decided to use his factory to produce masks for St. Jude's Hospital. And that wow. ended up becoming a district-wide project, and they created 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of face shields uh, masks for medical professionals at every hospital in Orange County. Jeez. And so those are the kinds of things that Rotarians do. I mean, we're people of action that do things. And I should say, you know, in town, there's a Kiwanis Club and a Lions Club that are also service clubs. Uh, but, of course, Rotary is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Get a quick plug in. Um, so what does the, the, the club do for the for the city of Fullerton? Well, everything. Um, I've, uh, I've, you know, just uh, from reporting here, I hear all these um, whispers like, oh, Rotary Club is doing this. Rotary Club is helping out this. But, you know, one thing I'll tell you is I teach, I teach a class at Cal State Fullerton for juniors. It's a soft skills for business class. And one of the things I teach them is the importance of networking and the importance of joining clubs, even at the college level. Because when you graduate from school, it's the people you meet at school that are going to be your network to help you get a job later or promote later. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true when you're an adult and you are a leader of the community. It's the people that you work with who are also leaders that are going to make you effective as a leader and and, um, be frank, more powerful in what you can do as a leader. So um, most people that run for office will end up in a Rotary Club at some point. Most people who lead a, a, a company or a department will end up in a Rotary Club because we're, you know, I, I teach my students the, the structural whole theory that you have, like, if you think about molecules moving around, when one atom gloms onto several molecules together and makes them stronger, then that molecule's bigger and more important and more powerful. Same thing is true with people. When you join multiple things in a community you become the glue that holds them together you get them so they're talking to each other and they're sharing resources and they become more powerful more effective because you're there and that makes you the person who connects them the most powerful and effective person in that group because and like i know you're working in politics right now if you want to be a great politician that's what you have to do you have to join multiple networks make them work better together, make them more powerful, and you become the most powerful because you're the connector. And that's what Rotary does. We're all connectors. We're a club of connectors that connect people to everything else in town. So like when I joined, somebody said, um, um, you know, when, now that you're a Rotarian, you're one phone call away from anything you need in the city. And that is absolutely true. That's a true. great quote. That's absolutely true. And anytime I've needed anything, I am connected to someone who can connect me to that thing. I am one degree of separation from anything in town because of Rotary. Well, join everybody. <laughs> uh, next question is, uh, you know, you're, you're president of the Rotary Club, right? This year I am, yeah. What does that entail? So president is an honorary position for one year. Yeah. Um, in a, our club is 100 years old this year. In 100 years, we've never had a president twice. So we've had 100 different presidents. Um, so you don't get too big of a head because you're only there for a year. Yeah, one. <laughs> but it means that during that year, you can put your stamp on things, your mark on things, um, try, to, try to make the club better in some way, move it in some direction. And it's a blessing and a curse because you can't, can't do too much. But you also can't do too much damage. <laughs> and and um, it's kind of like being mayor. It's, it's largely honorary, but there are some little things you can put a stamp on. And the biggest thing is, um, is that I can 
be here like like I am with you, talking about the importance of Rotary, talking about the importance of it to the community, and how much uh, I love Rotary and, and this community. You actually have time. That's you know, it's not taking too much time no. out of. Oh, that's good. Um, so, last question: Is there any projects that you are working on that you'd like to share, or uh, that Rotary's uh, doing? Well, since I'm here during a work day and I'm being paid by Fullerton College to be here, it would be wrong of me not to mention what I'm doing at Fullerton College. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so. Uh, I, as I said, I am a professor at Cal State Fullerton, and I ran the Center for Nonprofits there. But nowadays, even though I'm still a professor there and at Cal Poly, my day job is I'm running the foundation at Fullerton College, the Friends of Fullerton College Foundation. And our job is to get scholarships for students at Fullerton College. And, and I would say to all those listening that a lot of people underappreciate how important community college is to a community. Um, for for many people, they know what they want to do and they get great grades and they graduate and they do that thing but f uh, and they go on to a four-year college and they're great. But for many people in our community, going to directly to a four-year college is, is price prohibitive. They can't afford a UC campus yep. or a Cal State fresh out of high school. And so they do the junior college for those two years to bridge that gap. For other people, they're returning from prison. They're returning from... Uh, a community where they dropped out of school because they just didn't do, like myself, didn't do well in their high school years. And um, I dropped out of college and then went back to school. And uh, when I went to get my MBA, I had to get an accounting class first, and I was able to do that at Fullerton College. So there's all kinds of reasons that people need a, a community college as a bridge between a life that is not going to be very productive and not make them very much money and their families to a life that can be very productive and will be generational change for them and their families, where their families will think of education differently. And that's, I think, one of the most amazing bridges in the community, and that's why I'm really proud of what we do there. At Fullerton College, we are now doing some really innovative things that are the first of their kind in the country. Um, so I started there July 1st. We just got a half a million dollar grant to start the first drone apprenticeship program in the country for drone pilots. I, I heard that when I was signing up for classes um, this summer. Yeah so, yeah, so I'm the one who worked with Jay, who runs the drone pilot program. The two of us put that together. It's a half a million dollar grant and will be the first drone pilot apprenticeships in the country, which is the fastest growing industry in the United States. So you could be a gamer who dropped out of school, uh, got your GED, don't know what to do with your life, and become a drone pilot and go from making $30,000 a year in construction or whatever to making sixty-eight dollars to $86,000 a year as a drone pilot. That's what the going rate is in California. And, um, and then our apprenticeship program will place you with an employer. And then when you're done that apprenticeship, the employer can hire you or not hire you. And a shout out to our partners at Hope Builders in Santa Ana who are partnering with us on that. And then once that's done, we're going to take that same apprenticeship model and apply it to landscapers and apply it to cosmetologists and apply it to all the trades that we have at Fullerton College so that people can go from from uh, from education to employed. Right. From the classroom to the job, you know. And so we, we already got a grant from the OC Farm Bureau to do that with landscapers. Jeez. And um, yeah, 152000 from the Farm Bureau. So 
we're really proud of that. And so we're, we're doing a lot for people who want a four-year education, but we're now doing a lot for people who want trades as well. So I'm really proud of that. It's the first social enterprise from a community college foundation, I think, in the country. It's the first drone pilot program in the country for apprenticeships. So we're really, we're really proud. Wow. And we've doubled our endowment since, uh, since July 1st. So that's also something I'm proud of. Jeez. Well, th- thank you for, for coming here, Zoot. I really do appreciate it. And um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure for me, too. And, thank you. And, and then it's what, good what to was meet you personally? Yeah. What was your, um, your podcast? Just for uh, one last plug? Uh, it's 501c3BS. If you want to find any of the things I'm involved with, my books or my podcast, just go to zootvelasco.com. One of his books, if you're watching on YouTube, is going to be shown right now. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Alrighty, that is the end of today's podcast. Fullertonians, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Fulton Observer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to keep up with the latest Fullerton news. Full-length stories of all our headlines are available on the Fulton Observer website, or you can subscribe to the print edition that gets mailed to your home every two weeks. You can also donate to support local journalism on our website. If you would like to sponsor this podcast, email ads at FultonObserver.com. That's ads at FultonObserver.com. The journalists behind our stories are Isha Salman, Jesse Latour, Anthony Roberts, and Vivian Moreno. Special thanks to Zoot Velasco for the interview. Adrian Mesa and Jackson Henry edit our podcast. Bianca Bravo manages communications. And I'm Arush Navid, your host. <laughs>